Next one, page 521. Then Job replied, I have heard many things like these. Miserable comforters are you all. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? I also could speak like you if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you. But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. Yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved. And if I refrain, it does not go away. Surely, O God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have bound me, and it has become a witness. My gauntness or thinness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me uh, and uh, tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fastens on me his piercing eyes. Men open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike my cheek in scorn and unite together against me. God has turned me over to evil men and thrown me into the clutches of the wicked. And those words actually have a fulfillment in the earthly life of Jesus far beyond anything that happened in the earthly life of Job. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. His archers surround me. Without pity he pierces my kidneys and spills my gall in the ground. Again and again he bursts upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Deep shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands have been free of violence and my prayer is pure. O earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be led to rest. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man he pleads with God. As a man pleads for his friend. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. And then we move through to the end of the chapter 17. 
Um, and we come uh, to verse 11. My days have passed. My plans are shattered. And so are the desires of my heart. These men turn night into day. In the face of darkness they say light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave. If I spread out my bed in darkness. If I say to corruption you are my father. And to the worm my mother or my sister. Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? Then let's turn to Romans, um, sorry, not Romans, but 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, page 1156 in the Church Bible. Page 1156. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 50. Because facing death, Job has hope. And um, he has hope because of the Jesus, the Christ that he's looking to. And Paul here, now in Corinthians, um, writes about the hope uh, that we have. In Christ. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here we are in a new year with a new series of Bible verses uh, to consider in our monthly guest service during 2012. I hope you have all already received uh, a copy of the calendar and if you haven't then please speak to us afterwards uh, and we will uh, be able to provide you with one. The verse for the month of January is found in the first half of the Bible, the part of the Bible that we refer to as the Old Testament. It's found in the book of Job, the 16th chapter, the 22nd verse, page 500 
and 22 in the church Bible. This book is named after a real man. Job may well have lived at the same time as Abraham, whom we learn of in the book of Genesis. And if that is the case, that Job and Abraham lived at the same time, then Job lived around 4,000 years ago. The story of Job is a record uh, of how a believing man becomes the object of Satan's sustained and focused attacks. Now Job doesn't know that, but we are let into that secret at the very beginning of this book, that Satan has set his sights upon him in the same way as a military aeroplane would set its sights on a target. And he has been bombarded day after day, week after week, month after month, by the onslaught of the devil. And as a result, Job has lost his children, his grown-up sons and daughters. He's lost his flocks and his herds. He's lost his health. He has lost his friends uh, in that They are now bringing the wrong kind of comfort to him. But he has not lost his faith. He has not lost his faith in God. And particularly in the Son of God, Jesus, as his Saviour. And indeed, through his sufferings, Job gains a deeper knowledge of God. And enters into a richer relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is often the case in suffering. If you're a Christian tonight and you're experiencing unusual sufferings. Then see that as the fact from this angle and vantage point. That God wants to bring you to a deeper relationship with him through Christ your Saviour. In our text, Job declares these words, Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. What is this journey? Where will this journey take Job to? Who will Job beat at the end of this journey? And what will he see? What will he experience? Following this journey of no return. And tonight we want to think about um, the journey of no return. And there are four things that Job tells us about this journey of no return as he reflects Upon it. First of all, Job uh, in our text says he will make it once only. He will make it once only. It is the journey of no return. And so it is a journey that he will make only once. If we don't return from a place, 
We can't go to that place again. He will not come back from this journey. It is one way. He's not going to be able to tell his family or friends about this journey. What it was like to make and what he experienced uh, along the way. He'll not be able to prepare them for it. He'll not be able to come back and take his family with him on it. When he makes it, he makes it once and for all time. So the question is, what what journey is Job anticipating? What journey is he thinking about here? Is he for moving to a different part of the world? Is he going to travel to the other side of the earth that is not easy to reach? Is he going to be a bit like the Irish in the 19th and 20th century who travelled to America and Canada and Australia and New Zealand? And when they boarded the ship in Belfast, they had a one-way ticket in their hand. And they had no plans, no hopes, no prospect of returning to the homeland. The place to which they were going was too far away. The journey was too long, it was too dangerous, too expensive, uh, and there was no thought of making it again. Is that what Job is thinking of? No, Job is speaking of a different journey. He's speaking of a journey that you and I also will make. A journey we will make whether we think about it or not. Whether you plan for it or not. Whether you want to make it or not. This journey of no return is the journey of death. It's the journey of leaving this earth. And Job is saying here, you are born once, you live one life, you die once. Eastern religions are wrong, or Oriental religions are wrong, when they teach reincarnation, that a person, uh, or that you can come back in a second form, that you can get another chance at life to better yourself. To improve your prospects for the next world. That is utterly untrue in scripture. One life and one death. Uh, Hebrews in the New Testament chapter 9 verse 27 puts it like this. It is appointed unto men once to die. Once to die. So the journey of no return is the journey of death. And Job will make it, and you and I will make it, once only. But then secondly, Job says of this journey of no return, he will make it shortly. He will make it shortly. Verse 22. Only a few years will pass. Or as another version has it, for when a few years are finished and I go on the journey of no return Job is going to make this journey in a short time from now now we know from the last chapter in the book of Job that this man lived 
to be 140 years of age. That's a remarkable length of life by our standards. Now others of his generation live much longer. Abraham lived to be 175. And there was a man who lived a little earlier than that called Methuselah and he lived to be 969. And from the time of Moses, however, uh, men and women did not live this long life. Psalm 90 tells us that from the time of Moses, God set the average age of a person, the average length of a person's life, to be 70 or 80 years. And if we go beyond 70 or 80, we are on extra time. Now many live longer and some sadly die earlier than 70 or 80 years. It's not a guaranteed uh, life expectancy for everyone. I was interested to read that apparently if you want to have a long life in Northern Ireland or in Ireland, the best place to live is Balamone, where you men will live for 781 um, years and women live for 82.4 years perhaps I should have stayed in Balamone after all uh, but anyway living a long life is not within my gift as we'll see because our years are limited they're limited whether they're 50 or 70 or 140 and our years are known to God alone and our years are determined by God alone. It doesn't happen by chance. It's not by random. It's not a matter of luck or good fortune. That is why the Christian church rejects things like euthanasia or mercy killing, so-called. Because God is the giver of life. And God alone has the right uh, and the role to end life. The only life God gives man the right to end is that of the murderer. And the murderer, we're told in Scripture, is to lose his life at the hands of the state, the government. But apart from that, the man is to take no other life. Job recognizes that it is God who determines his le- his, his, the length of his life. And when Job says only a few years will pass, he's saying our years pass swiftly. They pass swiftly. They're like the morning mist. By the time it comes to midday, it's burnt up. They're like the grass that is here for a season and then withers and dies. We talk about life passing like a flash. At the beginning of a new year, we often say, where has the past year gone? And already we're halfway through January 2012. Time passes quickly. It cannot be regained or reclaimed. Time cannot be extended. 
I wonder tonight to you, do I, do we live recognizing that one day, that shortly, you're going to make the journey of no return. You're going to die. And I'm going to die. And it could be very soon. This could be the last time that you and I and we as this group will ever be together. The last sermon you will ever hear. Are you ready to make the journey of no return? For we will make it once only. And we will make it shortly. But then thirdly, let's see how we will make it individually. We will make it individually. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. Job was part of a nomadic people. And part of his culture was to travel always in groups. You never went anywhere in Job's culture on your own. Going in groups was the only safe way to travel. And you travelled with family and with livestock, with all that you had uh, with you. But Job recognises that he, when he embarks on the journey of no return, he will make it alone. He will make it alone. He will not have others with him. He will not be able to take anything with him. He says, before I go on the journey of no return. He doesn't say before we go. And that goes against everything that was Job's experience. There's going to be a journey he's going to make and he's going to make it on his own. He personalizes this journey. He individualizes it. He will not make it in a group. Yes, he may well die at the same time as others. He may even die as part of a group. That's what happened to his sons and daughters. They all died at the same time in a tornado or a desert storm. People today can die in groups through war or through a car accident or a plane crash or a bomb or whatever. Dying together on the same day, at the same time, at the same moment as a group. But in those cases, as in this case that Job is talking about, they die as individuals. They die singly. We are alone in death. We will have no consciousness of any other human being with us in death. Each travels alone from this world to the next, even if we die in a group situation. Before I go. I don't like, know many people who like going somewhere new, somewhere different, somewhere strange on their own. We usually like someone to go with us. A child 
going to school for the first time likes mum or dad to go with it. Someone going to church for the first time likes to take someone else with them. Will you come with me? We need to face the fact that we will make the journey of death on our own. On our own. We'll not be able to take any family member with us. Not be able to take any friend with us. Not be able to take anything with us that maybe we find comfort in in life when things are difficult and dangerous. The journey of no return. We make it once only. We make it shortly. We make it individually. And then Job tells us that he will make it confidently. He will make it confidently. This man, Job, when he speaks these things to us and to his friends, life is utterly miserable for this man. If you had walked along and seen him, you would have been filled with pity and compassion for him in his physical condition. He describes there about gauntness. Describes about shadows around his eyes. His eyes being red from tears. And this man uh, is covered with boils. With festering sores. And this man is suffering intensely in his body and his mind and his soul. And um, as he does that, he longs for death. The journey of no return. But he's not doing it. He doesn't long for it. And this is important. As escapism. The kind of idea which says. Well nothing could be any worse than this. And everything. Anything else must be better than this. That's not Job's mentality. Now Job here. He longs for death, the journey of no return, and he anticipates death, the journey of no return. Look at what he says in chapter 17 and verse 1, the words that we we read at the beginning of the next chapter. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes dwell on their hostility. Job expects to die a young man, or as we would say, before his time. That is before the normal life expectancy of men in his day. Yet this is not escapism, and he's not facing death in despair. He's not facing it in fear. He's not saying, Well, whatever will be, will be. He's not saying, Well, I've no idea what lies beyond the grave. He's not saying, as some say today, There's nothing beyond the grave. Look at verse 13 of chapter 17, where Job says, If the only home I hope for is the grave, and then jump on to the end of the verse, Where then is my hope? Job has 
hope. Job has hope of life, of rest, of blessing, of peace, of joy, of fulfillment beyond the grave. The grave is not his final resting place to be eaten by the worms, he says. He has hope of heaven. He has hope of being in God's presence and of knowing pleasures forevermore. Now what is the basis of his hope and confidence? How is it that he can say that he will make this journey of no return with hope and in hope? Well, look at chapter 16 and verse 19, just before our text. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. What beautiful words. An advocate is someone who is like a solicitor or a barrister. And you're in a court of law. And they plead your case before the judge so that you should be afraid and that you're not guilty of crimes of which you're accused. And Job says, I have hope because I have an advocate in heaven. I have somebody in the very presence of God who is going to plead my case before God. I have someone in the presence of God who's going to say, I am not guilty of sin. I have someone in the presence of God who has rescued me and freed me from the judgment of hell. My advocate is on high. So who is this one? Who is this advocate? Who is this one who's going to become between Job and God? And bring Job to God. And make him acceptable to God. This one is Jesus. This advocate. This witness. That Job has in heaven. Is none other than Jesus. Yes Jesus hasn't yet come. As a man at this stage. But Job has enough knowledge. From the scriptures of the Old Testament to believe that Jesus is going to come as the Savior and that he should trust in him to save him from his sins that he should trust in him to make him right with God in the New Testament it's put like this my dear children if anybody does sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You see, Job can face the journey of no return. The journey that's going to be death. The journey that's going to take him into God's presence. To stand before God in judgment. He can face that with confidence. Because of Jesus, the righteous one. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the perfect man who lived 
and died, who will live and die from Job's perspective, who has lived and died from our perspective, to be the saviour of sinners. Let me ask you the question. As you think of Job making the journey of no return confidently, as you anticipate the journey of no return, death tonight, can you look at it confidently? Can you say, I'm going into it with hope, and I have the assurance of eternal life? I know that Jesus is my Savior and my advocate with the Father who will plead my cause so that God will say when I come into his presence not guilty and so that I will hear those words well done good and faithful servant enter into your rest we need to be able to do that and to be able to do that you and I need to repent of our sin. We need to confess our sin. We need to trust in Jesus that he alone saves from sin. And then we're ready for the journey of no return. Remember, you will make it once only. You will make it shortly, sooner than you think. You will make it individually. No family member, no friend, no possession can accompany you under uh, on it. The only question is, will you make it confidently? Knowing tonight that you have an advocate with the Father. That Jesus Christ is your Savior. Because you have repented and you have believed in him. The journey of no return. Amen. Let's sing together.